this is Eric Pingus with Basketball Insiders and Bleacher Report. You're listening to the Pro Sports Podcasters. We are the Pro Sports Podcasters, where no sport is left behind. It's time for another episode of the Pro Sports Podcasters with your hosts, Nee Wallace Bruce, Corbert Durand, and Justin Williams. On this podcast, we have guests from all over the world covering every sport from artistic gymnastics to weightlifting. We have something for every sports fan on PSP. Whether your interests are the athletes playing the game, the coaches, or the media, we've got you covered. Fun and informative, honest and engaging. You won't want to miss a single episode. So let's kick this off. Welcome back to the Pro Source Podcasters. I'm your co-host, Mr. Nee Wallace Bruce, and I'm joined by the esteemed Kobe Durand, aka Kobe. Kobe, how you doing? I'm good, buddy. I'm good. I'm looking forward to this one. This will be a little bit different than normal. That's right. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, this will be our first guest on the show who's coming to us from an airport. But without any further ado, let's introduce our guest. She is the host on Sportsnet's Top of Her Game. She also follows the Raptors around North America as they play hoops, and she covers the WNBA. It is the journalist from City News Toronto, Lindsay Dunn. Lindsay, how you doing? <laughs> I'm amazing. I'm loving being your first guest from an airport, and it's a delightful time. And I've definitely been described as different my entire life, so I hope that I live up to that in this podcast. But right now, it's a nice, quiet scene in the airport. Not a lot of angry people, so it's a good day. Hey, it's a great day to be great, and even greater when there's not too much violence. So hopefully, <laughs> no one flips out over uh, baggage fees or having to wear a mask or something like that. But, you know um, there's lots of time for that. <laughs> absolutely, especially as it gets late over there in Phoenix, where you just covered the game where the Raptors played the Suns. So we'll get into that into a moment. But let's get first into your pathway to where you are today, because you cover sports and music. You got a pretty unique and a an envied role that you have. <laughs> Tell us how you got into where you are right now. All right. Um, yeah, I never like understand how sometimes I got this job or that it exists because it's really the only one in Canada where I'm a sports and music journalist and I cover it for a national TV station. Um, but I just grew up playing sports and playing music my entire life. And I had no idea what else to do with my life. I heard of this thing called journalism. And I could never make it to the NBA because I have a lot going against me. Like I'm five six, but I'm really feisty. I would get fouled out every game when I would play. And I was a terrible musician. I sound like a cat in heat when I sing. So when I found out there was journalism that you could cover sports or music somehow, I went to school and then I worked for free a lot. Like I would say have a news job that I got paid for, but on the side, I would try to cover like sports or I would try to cover music just to get my foot in the door. And that just kept eventually letting to having other doors open up for me where then I, you know, moved from the middle of Canada to then moving to Toronto where I got an opportunity to cover sports. And then uh, somebody from BBC once heard me do a report. So then they asked me to be one of their correspondents still to cover NBA, WNBA. And then the job I'm at now, they're like, we love what you do with music. We love that you do a sports. Let's make them become one. And I'm, that's really like condensing it. It's just it's been a lot of like 15 years of work and doing a lot of free stuff, but it just happened that there was a perfect storm of somebody leaving in sports. I was already covering music. They knew that I covered sports and mashed it into one job and I don't understand my life and I'm very happy about it right now. 
I love it. And I love that the BBC reaches out to you because that's, that's what was a staple of my childhood, listening to the BBC World Service. So I'm, I'm sure I probably heard you at one point as I listened to the, the Beeb in the middle of the night over in Australia. Um, the Beeb? So, I like that. Yeah. The BBC I've World Service. <laughs> yes, the Beeb. The B-E-B-E-E-B. The BBC I feel World Service. Right well, the, saying that. Yeah. well, the time is currently 6 p.m. Eastern and <laughs> midnight GMT. <laughs> anyway, I'll pass one to Kobe. So you're in Phoenix, Arizona right now? Yes, I am. Is there any sense of Super Bowl fever yet? There are signage like everywhere about it, but the actual like people here, I ask them like, who are you rooting for? Are you cheering for like the Eagles or the Chiefs? And they're like, yeah, I don't really care. So <laughs> for the locals, they don't care. But like, you know, I was covering the Raptors games and on both teams, there's Eagles fans and Suns fans and they were really excited for it. But the actual like locals in the area, they don't care too much, but they're like, you can't miss it when you come in here that it's the Super Bowl is happening here because it's plastered on every building. Like, I, I, I'm assuming in the next couple of weeks they'll get more excited, but, like, if I lived here, I'd be excited. Except for, I guess, nobody can really go to the game because it's, like, $50 million to get a ticket. That's an exaggeration, but you know what I mean. <laughs> exactly what you mean. Now, you've got to be the only uh, Raptors analyst I've spoken to that has also interviewed members of the Rolling Stones. So, <laughs> what was that like? Well, it was about comparable to interviewing the Raptors. No, I'm totally just being a jerk right now. <laughs> it, like it's sometimes in life, I forget that it happened because it just felt like a dream interviewing Keith Richards and then also interviewing Ronnie Wood. And Keith Richards is talking to me about weed. And you're like, what world am I in right now that he's talking about? And, you know, they were so chill. They were joking around. They were laughing. And then weirdly enough, like another icon is... Ringo Starr I interviewed and he also is so cool and that was like maybe a year later and it was just like they're larger than life they can't go anywhere without anybody stopping them but like in the moment you're talking to them they're just having fun they're joking around they're they're enjoying life when they really could be jaded because obviously a lot has happened in life and they can never go anywhere they want but it was like I don't understand how this kid like I'm from the middle of Saskatchewan eventually ended up interviewing some of the most influential artists of all time but you know, it was pretty cool. <laughs> now, now being from the middle of Saskatchewan, because me personally, I am I'm from the Toronto area, and I'm a massive Stones fan. When yes. you say you were a musician, are we talking rock music? Are we talking country? Are we talking band camp? What are we talking? Oh, I love that. So originally being from Saskatchewan, like I hated country music because it was so popular there and everybody loved it. So I like, okay. despised it until I moved to Toronto, which is funny because my husband's now in a country band called the Holy Gamblers. I'm like, what is happening? <laughs> but I played uh, piano, like, and that could be whatever you want. You can't really, I guess you could say you could play rock and roll and piano, but mm -hmm. I couldn't. So it's like, you know, pop music, some jazz music throwing classical but i never had the touch for that i play guitar and then in grade six i played clarinet you better believe that and i also would sing but i'm far too shy to sing and i do not have the voice i just loved it i loved learning music i loved trying any instrument i can but piano was the one that i excelled at and played for like two decades tell me you played vanessa carlton's a thousand miles I want to play that with Jimmy Butler so bad or any <laughs> NBA player because, like, you know, that was their jam for years. Of course, that's yep. a classic. Like, you have to play that song if you go play piano. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Now, staying in a similar vein, you've, you've been in a number of arenas. Tell us the, the best uh, tune you've heard in an NBA arena. 
the best tune? Yeah. I watched oh, the most. Wow. Thank, I, I love this question. I've never been asked this before. And <laughs> so many people are going to like boo as soon as they hear this. But I love the freaking Space Jam soundtrack so much. Yes. And I remember it just echoing at the Air Canada Center in Toronto, which, oh, it's not called that anymore. I believe it's called Scotiabank Arena. <laughs> and, oops, sorry, sorry, sorry to the sponsors there. But, like, just you see everybody dancing to that or, like, they'll play Pump Up the Jam. And so many mm. people don't know what it is. But it's like you just see the vibe going up and up and up. But the one song I don't want to hear so much anymore is Hall & Oates, Make My Dreams Come True, which people may not know. Like, that's the Leafs' goal song, and I just want to throw that in the trash. But definitely Space Jam, like quad city djs you play that at any arena and that's my answer because it's just yeah. it makes people way less cranky yeah yeah what about you guys have you answered this question and i've missed it start me up the stones oh yeah <laughs> that's yeah. mine <laughs> <laughs> i'll probably go with zombie nation but i know it's cliche but it, it gets everyone going so that that's the one for me um I would have liked Angie by the Stones. That would have been a great answer. Can you imagine if they played that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would have been awful. But some of us would have loved it. Yeah. Maybe the Leafs should try that for their goal song. Maybe Can that's how they break the curse. They score and it's like, Angie. <laughs> <laughs> it's so slow. <laughs> oh, you're on to an idea right now. What could be a worse song than all the notes? <laughs> Anything to break that curse. I'm just trying to help the city of Toronto here. Anyway, so the city man. of Toronto also has a basketball team, and you follow them. So, tell us, what is going on with the Raptors? Where, where are they at, and where are they going? I know it's a, it's a, it's not an easy question, but... It's like a multi-million dollar question, because come the trade deadline, you're like, so many fans are like, please do something, please do something, because... Their roster, there was not a lot of changes from last season where, you know, they got on a hot streak to then eventually get into the first round of the playoffs where they didn't advance. They added one player, Otto Porter Jr., who hasn't really played all season and then had to get surgery on his foot. And then it's just they can't. Some fans are saying, like, they're cursed in the fourth quarter because they're in these games and they're so close. And then with, like, a minute left, the other team just totally excels and then they can't do anything. It's just... They've been injured. They've had a lot of mm -hmm. illnesses, which they're saying, well, their head coach is saying that's a huge part of the issue. But every team has had that. Every team gets injured. Every team gets sick. And it just for the longest time, this team didn't seem to have any chemistry. They didn't seem to be clicking. And you're just kind of waiting for that moment. Is it going to happen? We're past the halfway mark. So I think so many of us, including, you know, like the GM, you know, all the team, the coaches are looking at like, what is with this team? And can anything actually happen? Can a move be made that will make them better? But like, they're not going on a deep playoff run. That's what I can tell you. And that's just honest. That stats packing that up. But it's definitely not been the most fun season to follow. I can tell you that much. Yeah. I mean, it must be tough. Like, you, as we said at the jump, you follow the team. It must be tough having to ask similar tone of questions after each game. Like, so, another loss. About, yeah, like another loss where you were up for a long time or you guys didn't play in the first quarter or the fourth quarter. How come you only had 11 points or how come you didn't do this? Or their favorite word, this is a word you shouldn't say to their head coach, is like, what about effort? He mm. does not like being asked that anymore. But yeah, and then you have to try to reword it. And then they're like, are you going to ask that again? I was like, well, that's 
kind of where we're at. Like, what is going on in their mind? And then their response to us is, we need to try to get more effort. We're just not making our shots. I'm like, well, obviously you're not. If you're going like one from seven or one from 10 from the three-point line, you're not making your shot. And there's just some really bad defensive plays. But yeah, it is tough. When, and then sometimes like you try to spice it up and ask a lighter hearted question so that maybe you can see where they're at in their mind that maybe they'll loosen up a little bit. Because then when you ask the same question again afterwards, like about effort, they might give you a different answer. But, but it's tough. I can't imagine some of those teams like the Sacramento Kings where they've just lost forever. Hmm. And them trying to give answers that are different or ask different questions. But I feel for Raptors fans, like I'm a fan of the NBA and like this has just not been an enjoyable season to watch. I've met a lot of fans that have just completely tuned out because they say it's just terrible basketball to watch. Yeah, I mean, I think if you don't play fantasy or if you don't bet, it's pretty depressing. But um, <laughs> we play fantasy, so we're, we're invested. Um we, we're very we're very interested in the fourth quarter in those stats. So Gary time kicks ass for me. Garbage right? time, let's have it. Let's give me those, give those baskets. Right. <laughs> but, and like Gary Trent, which he's like wild, like immediately people are like trade him, trade him, trade him. Like, hey, he hit some clutch threes a lot this season. Mm-hmm. Like if he wasn't there, you'd be even more sad. But you're right. Garbage time and fantasy, all this stuff. It's been it's great to follow then. <laughs> <laughs> no. Now, what about this for, uh, I guess, maybe loosening up the post-game? Is there a guitar in the locker room? And I think you know where I'm going with this. There is not, but there should be. You're right? Yeah. Get Nicky Nurse on the strings, getting oh. the strophy tunes. Maybe that's how we get the team to not fizzle out in the fourth quarter. It's so funny because I asked Chris Boucher recently, because like most of the players I know if they play instruments or if they do anything like Pascal Siakam's a really wonderful piano player. But Chris Boucher, I was just talking to him the other day. He was talking to me about WWE because that's just like a whole other thing I do not know anything about. And he was educating me. And I was like, Chris, I never asked you this. Do you play music? And he just looked at me. He's like, absolutely not. I That is not my lane. I cannot do this. So I would love to maybe boost the morale after a game or in that fourth quarter, even a halftime by giving Chris Boucher a guitar and trying to make him rock out. Maybe he could play Start Me Up. Yeah, just have everyone in, in a circle, just, you know, have Chris strumming some tunes, maybe Nick singing sing a harmony of some sort. Have you like, heard Nick sing? I have. Mm, I, I, <laughs> thought, I thought he was a good singer, but I, I guess not. Well, I was like, <laughs> it is subjective. I was, as I'll say, music is very subjective. I heard him cover Prince at a concert this summer, <laughs> and it was unique. Okay. It was definitely <laughs> unique. So it was like, he can he can play the keys. We'll let him tickle the ivories. And then, you know what? I bet you, like, Fred Van Bleek could drop some bars, or I feel like Gary Trent Jr. might be able to hit some high notes. Like, you know yeah. what? I think you're on to something. They should do like a musical jam at halftime. Really get it going because whatever they're doing now is not working. Yeah, I get Drake to throw a couple of lines and he likes doing cameos. Right, Kobe? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or throw Jason Derulo in there just so Jason Derulo could be like, Jason Derulo. Boom. There you go. Hey, that guy can dance. I saw him once at a uh, soccer final in Australia and he stole the show. Sign up to SoRare, the ultimate fantasy sports NFT platform. Scout, collect, and trade officially licensed digital player cards with other fans in our open marketplace. 
Create teams with cards from your collection and earn points based on your players' real-life performances to compete in a variety of fantasy sports competitions. Showcase your skills and go head-to-head -head with managers from around the world to rise up the weekly rankings and earn rewards. So wherever is a game that you can play this season and the next and the next and the next. It's almost like a, a dynasty spin on fantasy. This is something that is available in formats such as NBA, MLB, and also football, the world game. So what are you waiting for? Get involved, get in the game, get some cards, and have some fun. Oh, did I tell you it's free, by the way? All you have to do is sign up. It's really that simple. You just sign up, create an account, and then you can start playing. And if you want to go a little bit harder and purchase some limited, rare, or unique cards, you can do that too. But at a base level, this is really just a free, fun way to play with your mates and show who's really in the know when it comes to sports. Because Process Podcasters, we know our thing. But so rare is a chance to go up against us and see who really is the smartest in the room. So hit the link in the show notes, and we'll see you on So Rare. Own your game. Yeah, I think getting back to the Raptors, I, I think the issue that fans have with the Raptors and a lot. I think it's and even the Raptors themselves is that they know there's something missing from making them a real contender. Yes. And if you don't feel like a real contender, it's hard to give it a hundred percent every single night. Right now, do you you travel with the team? So do you feel like they, they give more of an effort at home or is it the same? For some of them, like, I do feel they give 110% or whatever that cliche is. Like, Thad Young in Phoenix, like, throwing his body on the ground and just trying to get the ball so it's like a jump ball or can get into it. But I, it does depend on which player, but there is definitely some more effort on the road than at home, and that's really any NBA team. But you're right, there is something that's just missing. There's the frustration, and I haven't seen a lot of these players frustrated because they're used to being the best, and they're used to winning, and they're used to having that you know winning kind of vibe around them, and they don't know how to deal with it. So there's a lot of frustration surrounding this team. But yeah, I do see in some players that they definitely are better on the road, and there's more energy on the road, especially because like say when you're playing in a team – when you're playing Phoenix or you're just traded from there or like Portland with Gary Trent Jr. Like that was the team that he came from. There always is a little bit more effort on the road on term on teams like that. But as a Raptors fan, I know what you all want. You just want them to play every damn game to win because mm -hmm. what the heck is the point of playing an entire season if that's your attitude? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, there's a lot of rumor around OG Ananobi and yeah. uh, Van Vliet and such. Do, do you see a couple of Raptors parting ways before the end of the trade window? I would say the trade deadline, the Raptors should be busy. And if not, I think Raptors fans are going to be really mad. But every day it switches. Like today, all I've heard is about multiple deals involving Fred. And mm -hmm. then the other day, it's they're like, how can they try to even get Pascal out? And then, like, Gary's been a consistent one, but that's actually cooled off a little bit. So now, like you mentioned, it is Fred, Fred, Fred. What can they get for this? Or OG. And now there's concerns just a little bit because he injured his wrist and he's out for, like, potentially another week and a half. But mm -hmm. what will he be like when he comes back? Because so many teams would love to have him on there because he does keep improving. But 
those are the ones that the names I keep hearing and from people within the organization that they're, they're open and they're looking at ideas because they would be stupid if they weren't listening to people pitch to them what, like other teams pitch to them what players they could get. But they should do a move because obviously this isn't happening and they should be very busy. But it's like, what are they going to do to make it better? Are they going to make a lateral move where it's bringing in a player that's different, kind of in the same role that their stats aren't that much better, but it will change the dynamic of a team a little bit. And that's like, they need to do something and they have to do something and they will do something. But I think it's going to keep changing day to day to day for what, like the next little week. And I think that's going to drive people nuts because like me personally, I just want it done with. Because you can also feel the vibe around the team Mm -hmm. that there's constant trade rumors or they're getting messages. Like I spoke to multiple players, like they're getting messages from their friends or they're getting tweets in from their family members saying like, hey, it's looks like you you might be traded. Have you heard anything about this? And like that can all change by when it happens. And it's that is impacting their morale. But that's also on any team. Yeah. And of course, this is all talk about players on the court because of the time we're at. But is there anybody off the court you think could be in trouble by the end of the season? I think everybody should be. Like if we're talking Bobby Masai, Nick, all that other stuff, like everybody should be in question for their roles and it should always be that way. And I know like there's a great report recently put out about like the Raptors, like trade deadline acquisitions. Has it really made them any better? Have they improve themselves and then even looking into their drafts but something isn't working and then there's rumors definitely about the coaching staff because this is like a nerdy thing i noticed is that one of the assistant coaches named trevor gleason he used to be on the front bench and then he's kind of moved to the back and then nate Jorgens, he's in the front and it's like what's going on there are we all reading too much into it but i do think the coaching staff like their development has been put into question of players that a lot of people criticize Nick that he doesn't really give the bench a chance to play more. Like yesterday in Phoenix, almost every player played. And then Raptors, it's consistent where a lot of players aren't even getting a chance to sign or play. Like I know a lot of people are not fans of Cam Birch, but he hasn't played in like 12 games. How are you going to know if he could even impact or do anything else? Mm-hmm. So they all should be in question. They all should feel like they're on the hot seat. But it would be highly unlikely that something will actually change, say, with a Masai Bobby or Nick for next season, unless they just, I don't, I I still think they have a little bit more breathing room, but they definitely should feel the pressure. Yeah. So it's not time to blow it up yet. They're giving a little bit of leeway. Yeah. I like, I do not believe in the tank. I think that is such a garbage scenario. And I know I'm not like, I'm in the like minority of this, but it's like, because when you go into tank years, like that's, you could have like five to 10 more years after trying to rebuild this because one player is not going to fix this team. Mm-hmm. Like everyone's like, Oh, Kawhi. I'm like, no, there were some other great players that were brought in that year as well. No, for sure. Yeah. You, you mentioned a name that I'll wager that Kobe has probably never heard of in Trevor Gleason. But I know him very well because as I've, legend. as I've dropped a couple of times, I'm from Australia, and he's won a co- he's won a few championships as the coach of the Perth Wildcats, who are one of the most successful Australian basketball teams. How has he gotten on as an assistant coach, if you don't mind? I really enjoy that you asked this question. I'm such a fan of how he interacts with the players and how he's developed them because he was the Raptors head coach in summer league. And you mentioned like the pedigree that he brings with him. He's a phenomenal coach. He's really working and helping kind of with some of those players that are seeing development that you've seen kind of improved. He's been instrumental in that. I do think that 
I don't know if his role isn't what he kind of signed up and I haven't really spoken to anybody about this yet because it's kind of weird when the coaches are moving back and forth from the first bench to the second bench like I know this is getting really nerdy but it does impact how they're impacting the game or the advice they're giving or drawing up plays but he is well respected in this organization and he is personally somebody I would love to see as a head coach in the NBA because I can see how he impacts the game and how he's impacting and kind of getting along with the NBA players so I hope everybody learns his name. Yeah, and um, he also spent time as coach of Australia briefly, the, the Boomers. I know Nicky Nurse coaches Canada and the Raptors, which that can't be easy. Could you see Gleason maybe coaching Canada one day, perhaps? Ooh, I I would be interested to see what happens there. I know that Nick, that role is pretty secure. Well, I don't like if anybody knows Canadian men's basketball team have not made the Olympics in a long, mm-hmm. long time. And this upcoming like qualifications is a huge tail. Like if this is going to be successful for Nick or not. And yeah, I pretty much think he has like an open ended contract. That's not like factual, but you know what I mean? Because he's so beloved right. there. But if they don't qualify and they have these NBA caliber players and the best mm-hmm. talent ever, they should be looking for another coach. And Gleason may not be the answer because he hasn't really been given a chance to go with the Canadian national team. I would, I would, I would think he would excel there and be a great fit. So maybe you know what? It's not impossible. I don't see it happening, but that is a scenario that I like put out into the universe. I also am trying to have a conversation with him about Australian slang words that I don't know if they're appropriate for this podcast, but oh, we can talk can, about yeah, that. Yeah, what I want to hear is me can verify some of these. Let's see if well, they're like, the real well, deal. First of all, I was like, just love to walk up to people and say, get stuffed, but I yep. don't know what that means. Like, bugger off is a lower one, but I don't know. He... I he I think I made him blush once because I was just reading off of like a Wikipedia thing, and I think some of them were really <laughs> offensive. <laughs> I was like, "This is great." As nah. you can see, I'm mature and a responsible journalist on most days. No, no, we are we are all here for that on this show. So if you got more, please um, get. Yep, I've heard it get stuff like that's kind of like yeah, buzz off kind of thing. Oh, yeah. And then it's like, um, it's quite popular, apparently, is the C word, which I can drop on here because I would get in trouble. But I, I can, sure I can verify that, that because okay, it's, yeah. it seems like whenever we do something where there's swearing involved, knee lets it slip, which which yeah, is I mean, still still harsh to hear. It still it still shocks both John, Justin and I. Yeah, I just can't say this in anything that would be recording. But I have to check myself because I, I remember Rod Black was kind of like baiting me into saying it once, and it's kind of like, oh, what a legend! It? I can't, I can't. I, I know where I am. I'm in Canada. It's it's not the said word around here. Nope. But it, I will say that it, it is Tuesday, so I guess I'll see you next Tuesday. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, you knocked that out of the park. That was amazing. There, so we, go, people, there we go. There we go. People in the airport are staring at me right now. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, I think I'm also I, glad I didn't say this the word. This is when security uh, shows up. Right? I think, She's I been talking I, to herself. I think Arizona's <laughs> open carry, isn't it? Oh shit. Um. Anyway. Um. <laughs> Now, <laughs> can, you imagine, can you imagine if I just yelled the c word in front of all these people? Because they have no idea what somebody's saying on the other end. You wouldn't, yeah. She'd be like, is she having a domestic with a partner yeah. or something? Like, Damn. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> um. Now, on a more palatable note, on a brighter note, Ooh. there's going to be a, a game coming up in March, a preseason game for the WNBA season. 
Are you going to be around for that, by the way? Going to be here. Apps. Oh, are you asking me? If not, I'm telling you, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you are. So tell us a bit more about that and what it means to the, the game in general in Toronto and Canada at large. This is huge that a WNBA game is coming here because it's definitely them testing the water to see if an expansion team can come to Canada. Now, Canada has a couple domestic basketball leagues that are men's teams, and they do fairly well throughout the country. They don't have any female basketball teams and that are like domestic and all this other stuff. And there's a couple Canadian WNBA players that they get great support, and they have a fantastic women's program in Team Canada. Like, we're talking, like, it's phenomenal. So the fact that they're coming here is going to see multiple things. I know it's kind of like a one-off, they think, but to see how a crowd will embrace it, will they support it? But also, it's just a huge platform for women's basketball to be played in one of the biggest arenas and where the Toronto Raptors play in front of a crowd and have it on national TV. I think this is a great step forward. It also will open those conversations again, like I just mentioned about a potential domestic league, which I do not see happening anytime soon, but it would be great. But they'll be then looking at like, how hard was it for them to travel over the border? Because there's always those issues. Like in the WNBA in general, there's travel issues with teams just flying in the U S but this is a big moment for women's sports. And it's a huge moment for the WNBA. I know they're also looking at Portland for a possible expansion, but I spoke to a former WNBA commissioner and Don Orander, and she thinks that Canada will get an expansion team in the, the next three to five years. And the fact that this game's playing now, it's everything. It's going to determine pretty much how soon a team can get there. Okay. And just for a throwback to Kobe, as MLSC uh, given any indication as to whether they'll be behind a potential franchise, or is it too early to say? I'll go with it's too early to say, but they would be absolutely crazy not to. Like, it looks good for them to have that in there, and they pretty much run everything else in Toronto. Yeah. So it would just be a winning situation, especially we've seen so many companies investing in women's sport. And when that it is at a higher level with the WNBA, you have it partnered with an NBA team, it would just be a win-win situation. And, like, I don't see why they wouldn't. Mm-hmm. And excellent. Kobe? Yeah, Lindsay, because you've traveled around, when it, when it comes to the fan experience, which team, which stadium does it best? Oh, wow. Okay. That sometimes it's wild. So <laughs> Phoenix, like I've covered hockey and baseball and basketball, but I like to stick with basketball. And I think Phoenix has, or not Phoenix, the 76ers have some of the craziest fans I've ever been around. Like they're aggressive. I remember during the playoffs, Chris Boucher and them lipping back and forth with fans, but the same thing in Boston. So like, if you want some spiciness where you're not watching in court action, like you look into the stands and just seeing <laughs> sort of fights and verbal altercations and the, like the players getting into it, those are the two to go to. But for fan experience, Oh, that that's a good one. Like I know everyone probably will think I will say Toronto, but like they have great fans, but the Clippers went like a couple years ago pre-pandemic before they had a bunch of other teams. I actually thought they had a great fan experience because they're like the underdog and like the ugly stepchild in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. And it's such an experience, but if you want the like big glamorous for all be the Lakers but I think the Clippers organization do a great job with the fans and I know a lot of people think that's hot trash because they hate the Clippers now but at least three years ago that was one of the more fun arenas to go to 
No, that's awesome. That's not a, not at all what I thought you would say, but that's that's cool that they have that kind of experience available to them, and it's nice it's nice to see the other team put something right, forward, getting a little right? love. <laughs> yeah. I would say, like, and I know a lot of people won't agree with it, but when I look at how the fans are interacting and that they really like it, like they're there for the game because it's fantastic. But Orlando also has a really fun. Like they have, if you don't care about basketball, their halftime show and their fan interactions, it's at another level there. Those two, I think, are really interesting to go to. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Okay. That's um, interesting. Put them on the bucket list. We'll do a road trip. It'll be great. That's right. Exactly. Right. I'll do a nice trip around the arenas. You and Trevor Gleason can hang out. It'll be great. Exactly. We'll introduce you to some Aussie treats. Like I'm. I'm sure he's uh, told you about Tim Tams and stuff like that, has he? Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Good, good, good. Very good. And you'll have to try a meat pie if you haven't had a meat pie as well. No, I have not. That just sounds awful, but maybe one day. <laughs> it's, it's, like a, it's like a handheld, um, I don't know what they call it. I think they call it handheld pies in North America. But anyway. Uh, <laughs> We should just do a whole episode on pies. I'm down for that. Yeah. Handheld meat pies, cherry pies, chocolate pies. Exactly. Apple pies, bacon and cheese pies. Humble all pie. the pies. Life of Pie will be the name of the show. Oh my gosh, you're two for two. <laughs> I am on a roll. Now, you, you, you're a host on Top of the Game on Sportsnet. Tell us a little bit about that. So, Top of Her Game was a kind of show that you would find female athletes and you would just give them a time and a platform to shine on a national sports show. And we, like, whether it be, uh, I know everyone kind of knows Christine Sinclair or she's, of course, a Canadian soccer legend and just kind of talking about the backstory or sharing another side of themselves about how they got into the game or whether it be their training or something they're trying to do to advance the sport. Like there's WNBA player, former WNBA player, Kayla Alexander. She wrote a book that was trying to encourage young girls to join basketball. It's just kind of dedicated a spot on TV for women that are doing fantastic things in the sport. Lindsay? We can find you on Twitter at Lindsay Dunn TV. Where else can we find you on social media? You can find me on Instagram, same account at Lindsay Dunn TV. I'm on air, Lindsay Dunn C- or Lindsay Dunn TV. All right, Lindsay, pleasure to have you on. And can we get a bold prediction from you for the rest of 2023? Can be hoops, can be music, can be anything on your mind. Oh. I am going to say that Ricky Martin is going to make the bit biggest comeback of his life ricky martin ricky martin hey thanks for tuning into the podcast for even more of your favorite sports content be sure to visit the website www.prosportspodcasters.com on our website you will find our sports blog full podcast library access to our youtube channel and deals from our affiliate partners You can also sign up to become a PSP Insider and get exclusive access to our Insider Tips, Sponsor Giveaways, and Insider Newsletter. So don't miss out on the full Pro Sports Podcast's experience, where no sport is left behind.